we'll begin reading here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And in verse 1, we read, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. And, and some of you say, well, you remind me of the Apostle Paul, Pastor. <laughs> no excellent speech, no wisdom. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, anyway, he said, I, I came uh, to you not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God." Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written... I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I read again verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. This morning I want to bring a message entitled, The Testimony of God. The Testimony of God. May we pray? Our Father and our God today as we have gathered here, Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of our spiritual understanding. Lord, for those that perhaps do not know Thee as Savior, that struggle with understanding the Word of God, that they read the testimony of God and they don't comprehend it. Lord, may today by Thy Spirit You open their eyes to the truth and may they discover that this book is the Word of Your grace to man. Lord, use me to be a help Fill me with Thy Holy Spirit, we pray. In the lovely name of Jesus, Amen. The testimony of God. Over the last couple of years, I think all of us have, as citizens or residents of this country, been subjected to some pretty um, high-profile cases in court. We have twice been subjected to a presidential Impeachment. Many watched every minute of all of the proceedings. Recently, uh, there were some high-profile cases in which uh, people were brought up on some serious charges that were national in their scope and nature. I know that some watched with great interest the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, and, and they... I watched every minute of the testimony that was given and were 
fascinated by the things that were said because we wanted to know what they had to say about a certain thing. And of course, what follows that is all of the talking heads uh, come on the air and they want to try to tell you what they think they were really trying to say as though somehow we who heard it have no ability to understand what they said, but we need someone to tell us what they think they might have been saying. Let me say this to you today. What I hold in my hand right here is the testimony of God. It is not my job today to tell you what I think God is saying. My responsibility is to read the transcript of His testimony and trust God to bring it home to your hearts. And so, really today as we discuss the testimony of God, it is very consequential. And this is not a book that simply contains the words of God. This is not a book that becomes the Word of God as you understand it and appropriate it. It's not just a good historical book that teaches us anthropology and the history of civilizations, though it may be that. The truth is this, that it is the Word of God to man. And it is the only testimony of God. And we must understand it. And God has given it to us for a wonderful purpose. It's no wonder that it's called the Word of His grace. I remember years ago, Linda and I visited the Philippines and we were on the island of Negros and we were taken by a pastor to a Roman Catholic cathedral there and it was called the Church of the Angry Jesus. And when we walked in, there was a mosaic made of tile that was a hundred feet tall on the back wall of that cathedral. And it was a picture of an angry Jesus who was coming down to judge everyone that had sinned against him on the earth. And I thought, my soul, um, I don't think I'd want to come into church every Sunday and sit there staring at that mosaic of an angry Jesus. I, I, I think that uh, I want to go over Matthew chapter 11 where he said, I am meek and lowly in heart. How about you? Uh, I, I, I'd want to go to the parts that tell us that, he, that he's all loving. He says, I want you to love each other the way I've loved you. I, I think I'd want to see that part. And yet there are many today that view the Word of God as some kind of a narrative from an angry God. The other day I saw a bumper sticker, you've seen it many times as I have, and it said uh, that Jesus is coming again and He's really ticked off. <laughs> right? How many of you have seen that one? Okay, was that inappropriate for me to say in church? Sorry. Uh, but I, I realize there's some of you a little sanctimonious this morning and you don't live in a real world, so I, I guess I have to apologize to to you for offending your consciousness. But, you know, the fact is that some people have this idea that God is really angry and He's mad at everybody. And, you know, there are passages in the Bible that reveal how God feels about sin, about iniquity, that might lead one to think that. But I want you to have in your mind the cross of Calvary and understand that that is the narrative on who God is. That He loved you so much that He died in your place so that you might be set free from that which would destroy you in hell forever. What a wonderful Savior. And we have a responsibility to deliver the manuscript or the transcript of the testimony of God. To tell others how much He loves them. To communicate that He came to save them. In preparing for this message, I read of a pastor who was going to be out of his pulpit. He had some 
family matters that he had to attend to out of town, and he called upon a fellow a pastor or colleague in, in the ministry to come and do pulpit fill for him on that particular Sunday. And it was an old-style cathedral-type building where the pastor stood in an elevated place, and there was a big stained-glass window behind him that was a depiction of the crucifixion of Jesus. The man that came to substitute for the pastor that was out of town was substantially shorter than the pastor that normally occupied that pulpit. And as he was preaching, a little girl was heard to say while turning to his to her mother, where's the man that normally stands there and blocks our view of Jesus? There's profundity in that statement. And I have no doubt that there are many that preach messages today in churches And the Bible is a great stage prop. But we do not see a manifestation of the living Lord. We are not hearing the testimony of God. We are hearing the wisdom and the philosophies of men. We are hearing well-crafted, spiritualized, get-rich-quick schemes and prosperity doctrine, not the doctrine of Jesus. But what Paul said was that when I was with you, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And he said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ. The only thing that I wanted you to know that I had a a hold on that I was trying to share with you was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Not that I was a smart guy. Not that I was a member of the Sanhedrin. Not that I trained at the feet of Gamaliel. Not that I was born of the tribe of Benjamin. Not that I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Not that I was a Pharisee. The only thing I wanted you to hear from me was Jesus Christ and Him crucified because He understood that more than anything else, His responsibility was to declare the testimony of God. The issues that Paul dealt with in Corinth are the very issues that we face in the church today. They have not changed. There is a desire to hear from those that are wise in this world's wisdom, as well as from those that possess a dynamic ability to wow the audience and to enthrall us. However, we find that in the effort to package the gospel with man's wisdom and deliver it with man's best efforts so others will think well of the speaker. Something has been lost. And what has been lost is the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul stated that he declared unto them the testimony of God. This testimony was and is The Word of God that changes lives. I think there's a reason why we see many churchy individuals whose lives are never radically transformed. And it's because God's Word, as the song says, changes lives. It really does. It is the truth of God's Word that changes lives. And yet there are so many that are so shallow in their understanding of it that their lives are never radically transformed. And although they make some changes to their schedule and show up one hour a week uh, on Sunday, and although they may uh, you know, decide that they're going to quit smoking, but th- then again their next door neighbor made that as a New Year's resolution, and he's an atheist. You, you know, we, we, we kind of make all of these things and we think, wow, what a difference Jesus made in my life. And it's not so much the truth that has made that difference in your life, it was your cardiologist telling you you're going to die if you don't quit smoking. But you know, we look a little better and then somehow we want to pass it off that this is as a result of this relationship that I have with Jesus. And the fact is that we don't really have that conviction that God's Word changes lives or we would become well acquainted with the testimony of God. Now, it is discerned, the testimony of God is discerned by His working in us by His Holy Spirit. 
And I think it behooves us to consider it. I, I want to remind you what Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse number 39. He said, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are that which testifies of me. Is a testimony of God. Um, and we, we discover as well in the book of John in chapter 15, where that Jesus, once again in the words written in red, said there in verse number 26, He said this, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, He shall testify of me. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to declare Jesus from the platform of the word of His grace. That's His ministry in your life. That's His primary ministry in your life. And friends, people get so bogged down with wanting to hear things about speaking in other languages, having a laughing revival, being slain in the Spirit, and all of the things that they want to assign to the Holy Spirit of God, and they miss His primary role in their lives. And God forbid that we who come to a Bible-believing church and have a Bible that we own and claim to read would ever be drawn aside from the message that is centered in Christ and the ministry of the third person of the Trinity whose job is to testify of Jesus, to give the testimony of God and to bring it to light to every heart. In mind. Now, I'm going to just say that for many years I have been a student of God's Word, as have many of you. And I admire and respect the many in our church family that have walked with God for a long time and understand some of the deep things of God. But perhaps you're like me, that you have sat down and you have begun reading a portion of Scripture and you came across a place that you didn't fully understand. How many of you have ever been there? You're, you're kind of at a place in the Bible you just didn't fully understand. So maybe you're like me and you want to understand it and what you do is you get all of the linguistic helps that you can get. I, I know, Brother Randy, you've done this, as I have many times. And, and you, you go to those helps, pull out your concordance, maybe your interlinear, maybe if you're versed in the Greek and Hebrew, you, you want to you read the, the interlinears. Uh, you, you get all the help out. You get, sometimes it's just, just an English dictionary, <laughs> whatever the case may be, but you want to understand the words that you're reading. You got that all nailed down, you still don't get it. So you think, okay, what I need to do next is I need to, I need to ask all of the standardized questions like, Who's writing this? And what is the purpose of the writing? And who is he writing it to? And what was the time frame? What dispensation did this fall in? And what do I know of the culture of that day? What do I know about what was going on in the, the political realm and you know, even as many of the prophets wrote during the reigns of different tyrants and kings, and, and that had a bearing on some of what was being said, and I try to understand it in its totality by adopting a proper method of biblical interpretation. And I, you want to find out the geography of it, and you get out the maps. And we, we always wonder, why are those maps in the Bible? It's because it helps us understand and put ourselves kind of there. It really casts a great deal of light when you look at those on, when we understand the, the journeys of the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys and, and other times when we see the wanderings of the children of Israel or, or of Abraham or how, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah lines up in proximity to the well-watered plains of Ono or whatever the case might be. And we can, we can look at all that and try to gain some further insight. And you know what? I've done all of that, and guess what? I still couldn't figure it out. The deep things of God. And there have been times I've been frustrated and thought, well, I, I'm going to move on. I'm not, I'm not going to be stuck right here, you know. And, uh, and, and, and that was normally my younger, more immature self thinking that people would think me less than if I didn't, you know, read the Bible through so many times in a year. After all, I'm a preacher anyway. But you know what? God forbid that I would be so taken up with what everybody in the world might think about me that I don't finally come to the place where I understand the truth. Can I get a witness? And so, listen, you know what I do? 
I've read the Bible about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I recognize that He is the divine illuminator. Do you know what that means? That means that He's the one that brings to light the things that are in the darkness of my understanding. He casts the light of heaven on that to help me see and discern what it is that I'm reading. And God gives it to to me often when I need it the most. But let me tell you that what the Holy Spirit who testifies of God, who declares the testimony of God does, is He, He helps you understand those things that before you could have never grasped. And so you know what I do? I go to prayer. And I know I pray to the Father in the Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Because I'm, I'm there because of the power and authority of, of Jesus, my Savior, and, and the Holy Spirit uh, is the one that guides my heart to even pray those things that need to be prayed. And, and, and God is the one that wills these things, and I, and I acknowledge all of those things. But you know what? The fact that I pray to God in the Spirit, in the name of Jesus, doesn't mean I never address Jesus doesn't mean I never address the Holy Spirit. Because they are each unique individuals, a part of the triune Godhead. They're one in power. They're one in authority. They're one in rank. And they are one in purpose. And so, the Holy Spirit is not some sort of a phantom or a ghost. But the Holy Spirit is a person that can be grieved and quenched, the Bible says. Philippians, uh, uh, or uh, the First Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, tells us, quench not the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32 says, and grieve not the Spirit of God whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. And so, he can be grieved, he can be quenched. And understand this, he's a person. So there are times I say, I, I, I pray to the Father, and, and then, you know what? I break out talking to the Holy Spirit. And and it is not a disservice to the truth. It's not wrong of me. The other day, uh, I was in a uh, at a ball game. My kids were having a ball game. They opened the, the 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 game with a word of prayer. And the person that was praying didn't pray in Jesus' name. They just can't you know, you know God to pray that everybody be healthy and that they would exhibit you know good sportsmanship. Amen. It's like that. And I heard somebody say, standing nearby, you mean in Jesus' name, amen. Right? In Jesus' name, amen. And look, I'm not here to correct how, you know, correct you or somehow analyze your prayers. But I'm just going to say this. I often say, Spirit of God, would you help me to understand? I've just... I've hit a block here, Lord, and I've, I've tried to study this every way which I, I can, but I just don't seem to be getting it. Would you bring it to my heart and mind? Would you show me the truth that you have bound up here in this Scripture? And you know, it may not be just an epiphany where the light turns on at that instant. Maybe I go to bed and I wake up the next morning and open it again and look at it and boom, there it is. There it is. And it makes perfect sense. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He, he helps us to understand the testimony of God. I don't need necessarily to, to Google it and watch 14 YouTube videos about what people think God may be saying. <laughs> right? I want to ask the one that He appointed to help me understand it so that He can do what God has ordained for Him to do in my life. Amen? And uh, sometimes, folks, we get this thing that because somebody's got alphabet soup after their name or they've got a big congregation or they've wrote a lot of books that they know a lot of stuff. And you know, it may, may trouble you to know this. I, I've been to two calf ropings in a county fair and I, I was born in the night, but it wasn't last night. And I've been around enough to know that there's a lot of these big name preachers that really don't even do their own studying. Did you know that? They have a team that helps to prepare the sermons. That, do, that, that does the heavy lifting for them. Now folks, you're not looking at anybody that would be comfortable with that arrangement. Unless anybody wanted to do it. 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. No, I, that, I'm not comfortable with that arrangement. I don't download the sermons off the internet. I upload them, amen? And uh, so everybody else can download them. But the fact is that, that I've got to get it from God for myself, or it's not going to be real to me. And if it's not real to me, I'll never be able to explain it to you. And so I want us to consider this and move rather quickly this morning because I have taken way too much time in my introduction. But I want us to consider the testimony of God. And notice what the Bible says in verse 5, why Paul said his, his preaching was with weakness and fear and trembling and not with enticing words, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He said, verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the what? The power of God. Now, there are two things that reveal the power of God to man. Do you know what they are? Well, one is the Word of God itself. The Bible says the Word of God is quick. That means it's alive. And powerful. Okay, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither, neither is there any creature that is not made manifest in his sight. For all things are open and naked under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The Word of God is powerful. The Holy Spirit is also a manifestation of the power of God. Jesus said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And my friends, there are a lot of folks that want to have a whole litany of things behind that. But you know what? Listen, more than God wants you to speak in another language, I think He wants you to have power to be able to speak kindly in the language you already know. And it makes me want to puke, candidly, when people want to talk to me about speaking in tongues and being in the Holy Spirit, and they yell at their kids and kick the dog and curse their wife, and I tell them, listen, if you can't even use the language that you've had from birth to talk to your family nice, then you talk to the hand in another language. I don't want to hear it. Because while you're busy grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit, you're wanting to put forward the false notion that somehow you're empowered by Him to speak in another language. And I, my God is a holy God. He doesn't work that way. Does that make any sense to you? Good. I'm glad it does. But listen, the testimony of God gives our faith a place to rest. If there is no Bible, if there is no ministry of the Holy Spirit, then all we have is the concept of God. All we have is speculative in its nature. It's subject to my experience. And what we discover is those that have no real relationship with the truth, the testimony of God, they have become existentialists. Like we're populating the city of Corinth. What do you mean? It was all about my experience. They were living their life by the whims of the carnal man. How does this make me feel? Now, I, I just want to be honest with you today that often when I read the Bible, it doesn't make me feel great. Anybody else uh, read the Bible and read things and, and it sort of pierces your heart and you don't really feel good about the things that you just read because the Holy Spirit of God is doing His work in you and, and, and revealing things to you that maybe had not to be in your heart and life. So, that never happens to me. Well, maybe you need to buy a Bible. <laughs> Better yet, you ought to read it, right? If you, if you say, I can't afford to, I'll give you one for free, right? I, and and I, I want to say that the testimony of God gives our faith a place to rest. And we have no true rest in our spirit unless we find it in the Word of God. There have been many times through the years that people have come to me and they said, I know I, I heard the gospel and I know that you know, God showed me I was a sinner and I needed to trust Him for my salvation, not my own works. And I can remember the time when I did that and I was baptized, but you know, I just, I just have all these doubts. You know, I've, been, I've had all of these months of not living for the Lord. I've been the prodigal child and, and uh, I, I just don't know that I'm saved anymore. And you know, one of the wonderful things that I can do is, is I can ask them, what is it that I hold in my hand here? 
What's the Bible? What's another great name for this book? The Word of God. Okay? The Word of God. And how long is this Word going to stand? Forever. What part of this Word is not true? None of it. How much of it is true? How much of it can I trust? All of it. So, are you trusting in what God said or in how you feel? I don't know about you, but I'm going to trust in the testimony of God. Not how I feel today. Because tomorrow I may wake up and feel lousy. And I may not feel very much like I'm saved. How many of you are like me and you've lived days in your Christian experience where you didn't feel very saved? Let me see your hand. You just wanted to do the wrong thing all the time. And you think, man, I don't just do the wrong thing. I want to do it right now. And I just, how can I be saved if I have all of these convoluted feelings in my heart? Aren't you glad that the truth isn't established by your experience? It is established by the testimony of God. You know what God said in a covenant that He made, sealed with His own blood? And in a passage where He said that it came from a God that cannot lie, He said, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And you know what that means? That while I may not feel saved today, and while yesterday I felt like sinning and I did sin, and somebody might think that person's not even saved. I'm not trusting in what somebody else said about my salvation. I'm not trusting in what the devil is trying to get me to listen to about my salvation. I'm not trusting in how I feel about my salvation. I'm trusting in the testimony of God that says, your sins and iniquities, child of mine, I will remember no more. Past, present, and future. And folks, I want you to know my faith has found a resting place. And it's in the One who has given me an eternal record of His testimony. It is the Word of God. And there's no ultimate rest in human reasoning because you can always reason your way out of heaven. But guess what? God alone, by the truth of His Word, is the one that secures our heaven. And we need to see that He has called us to rest. Jesus said, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And if it's up to you to see to it that you remain saved, you will never be at rest because you can't do it. You simply cannot do it. Notice, if you would with me, secondly, the testimony of God is given by revelation. By revelation in verse 6, the Bible tells us, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That means those that are fully mature. Those people that are grown up in Christ. Yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. means it comes to nothing. All of the people that think that they're so stinking smart. Um, I, I Listen, have you ever met a politician that didn't think that they were smarter than all of their constituents? <laughs> I don't think I have. Maybe one. <laughs> you know, in my life, I don't know. Have you ever seen an uh, opinion reporter on the news that didn't think that they were smarter than all the citizenry? And, and, you know, say that, you know, there's 80 million people in this country that are dumber than a box of rocks. You, you know, as though somehow they're the enlightened ones and we're all the unwashed masses. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible says all of their wisdom is going to come to not. That means zilcho, zippo, Nada, bubkis, nothing. Okay, it's going to come to nothing. By the way, if I didn't make that clear, their wisdom is going to amount to nothing. Okay, so listen, we, we can get all wrapped up with that and say, but yeah, they have a PhD from Harvard. 
yeah, and, and, and their philosophy instructor is transitioning now. So they're really assured of things, aren't they? Come on, folks. You're smarter than that. And what's more, God will give you His wisdom to know. You don't have to have a talking head to say, well, let me tell you what I think it really means. God has already arranged for that. Amen? So look, the testimony of God is given by revelation. The testimony of God is not understood through scholarship. Look, I'm, I think a call to the ministry is a call to train, to prepare yourself. Because I have a duty to be a theologian for the people of Freeway Baptist Church, to understand the theology of the Word of God. That's my responsibility. So I can't stand up here and be like Joel Osteen and say, well, I'm not a theologian, I don't really understand the Bible, but you know, I, I just like to make people feel good, you know, and, and uh, you know, empower them in their life and throw in a little Bible verse on the side and, and you know, stand up and raise your hand and say, this is my Bible. He doesn't even know what a Bible is, you know. Uh, he's got the coloring edition of, you know, the good news for modern man or something and, and uh, you know, pictures of Adam and Eve in the cover. And, you know, all I'm saying is, look, I have a responsibility to be a theologian for this church, but let me just say this to you. The truth of God is not communicated simply because I, I've become scholarly and I know how to really break it down and give it to you in bite sizes so that you can digest it. The fact of the matter is, every once in a while, you're going to need to dig out a nugget of truth for your own self. Every once in a while, guess what? Outside of church, you're going to want to open up the book and learn something for your own self. You're going to want to be like the Berean church of the New Testament era that went home and checked it out to make sure that the preacher was telling it right. Amen? And, and look, not that I feel like I, I need everybody to, you know, to, to check me out, do fact-checking on me, but you know what, if you did, it wouldn't bother me. Wouldn't bother me. They're doing it every day. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> no, it doesn't bother, they don't bother me because you know what? They haven't called me on it yet. <laughs> Whatever it is. But, but listen, it is not given to those that are mighty and noble. The Bible says in verse number 26 of chapter 1, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So, the simplicity of the gospel was good enough for me as an 8-year-old. And guess what? It'll be good enough for an 80-year-old. We don't have to overcomplicate it for a college graduate. Graduate, sometimes we have to dumb it down for them. Right? A atonement, you know, and B blood, you know, and C cross, and... J, J, Jesus. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way, now we can put it all together. And, you know, what's, what do we come up with? S A L V A T I O N. All right, good job. Give yourself a hand. Give you a star. No, we don't have to do that. God, by His Word, will, will use what He has, the testimony of God. And the one that is to testify of that is the Holy Spirit. And it's by revelation. And so God will bring it. To lie. Look at what it says in verse 7. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of the world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I had not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. But God hath revealed them unto us by His, what? Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So, the testimony of God is given by revelation of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes it known unto us. Now I want to show you something that's really precious about this passage that we're dealing with. The verse that we just read in number 9, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Now, we, we often use this in times of death, the death of a saint. And we're talking about heaven. And it's okay. You're not doing any disruption 
to the, to the Bible by saying heaven defies our human understanding or explanation. It's, it's more majestic, wonderful than anything that we have ever experienced or seen in this world. And you can say that and it's okay, principally. But that's not the primary interpretation of that passage. That's a principle that we can apply to the text. But the interpretation of the text is this. That when it says, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. You know what he's talking about? The wonderful things of God as revealed in the testimony of God. That's what he's talking about. Because it is not gotten by some sort of human exercise. By us looking at it. By us listening to it. By us just meditating alone upon it. It is brought home to our hearts by the revelation of the Holy Spirit of God. And here's something wonderful. We read that and we think, God has some great things that we can't even understand or see. And that's true. He does. His love passes knowledge. I can't get my complete mind around that, neither can you. But here's something that I want you to know. What God wants to do is not say, when you get up to heaven, man, I'm going to show you all this great stuff. No, that's not what it's communicating here. What it's communicating to us is this, that I'm not saving this stuff for the sweet by and by. I want to give it to you during the nasty now and now. I want you to see it now, and so I've given you the Holy Spirit now. And the Bible says, God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit does? He opens our eyes to see that this book is the word of His grace. And we begin to just take in the great love of God for man. And knowing that He understands every thought I've ever had. And He's heard every word that I've ever spoken. He's witnessed every sinful thing that I've ever done. And He loves me anyway. I can't imagine it. It's beyond my human understanding. But God, by His Spirit, wants to bring the truth of it home to your heart now. Not someday in the wild blue yonder. He wants you to hold on to it now. And so, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that, that God hath prepared for them to love Him. But, God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. It's a revelation of God that He wants for you to have. And I'm not talking about some ethereal, strange, charismatic type of an experience. I'm talking about God just wants to bring the truth of who He is and what He said home to your heart every day. And so that you can, as you kick rocks on your walk at the park or while you're feeding ducks, under every rock and over every turn in the road, there's something that God brings home to your heart. And He will. I want you to notice that the testimony of God is not achieved, but received. It's not something that happens because we study hard and we're really smart. Verse 11 says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man, which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely what? Given to us of God. So in other words, you know what it's saying? It's not that you're so smart that you finally studied hard enough and you learned what God was trying to say. No, God revealed it to you and it was a gift that He gave you. I'm going to tell you what God's done in my life. There have been many times where I was at a low ebb. Anybody ever been at a low ebb in your life? Where you, I mean, so low you had to reach up to touch bottom. Have you been there? And I mean, you were just lower than a snake's belly. It was just bad. And you open your Bible, and you read, and you may as well, for all you were getting out of it, been reading the dictionary. Have you ever been there? Or am I the only carnal 
wicked, evil person in this place? Or is there anybody else like me in that? I, I thought that about you. No, no. But, but look, you're just down. And, and, and you're not spiritually minded. You're so wrapped up in your problem. You're so upset and offended by what's going on in your life. You open the Bible and it's just blah, 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 blah. You put it down and you, you go get a cup of coffee and you come back to it and you think, I can't remember anything I read in the last 30 minutes. Have you been there? Be honest. Okay. Guess what? So has the preacher. Sad to tell you that. And then you know what? There are times where I just start to cry and I think, God, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And I just start talking to Him. And I get in tune with the Holy Spirit. And I look at that book that I just read and didn't understand. I didn't take it in. And I'll start reading again. And I'll read a verse that I've read a thousand times. And so this is number 1001, Lord. And all of a sudden, the truth of it dawns on me. And it carries me all the way through the day. It wasn't something I got because I was so smart and I was so scholarly. It was something that God showed me when I needed it the most. Isn't He a wonderful Savior? He knows what you need and when you need it. He knows your address. Some of you need to check your social media. He knows that too. Know this. It indicates to us that it is the word of His grace. Let's notice that the testimony of God brings about regeneration, salvation. Look at verse 14 here. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Who's the natural man? Those that are outside of Christ. Talking about unsaved people. They don't have the Spirit within them. So, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. So, what we discern here is that someone that is lost and just wants to understand the Bible, is not seeking after God, opens the Bible, it's not going to make that much sense to them. They won't get it. You know why? Because they don't have the one that illumines our minds to its truth, to its consequence, its import, its wonder, its mystery. They don't have that. And so sometimes I'll have somebody come to me and say, Pastor, I read the Bible, but I don't understand anything I'm reading. And and you you know where I want to go then? Let's go back to when you were first saved. Often the problem is that they're not genuinely saved. And if they're not genuinely saved, they can't have the expectation that they'll ever understand divine truth. Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. It's an impossibility for him to get a hold on it. He does not have the one within him who testifies of of Jesus and declares the testimony of God. And they don't have that one in them, the Holy Spirit of God, that brings to light the mysteries of God and the deep things of God. It's just not a possibility for them. And oftentimes it's because they do not know the Lord as their Savior, quite simply. But it is the Word of God and the one that reveals it to our heart, the Holy Spirit, that leads us to the place where we may be born again. When we are born again. You think about that term all alone. It infers that we were once born. And by the way, I want to tell you that we can take the principle that we are born once physically, we need to be born again spiritually, but really if you do the deep dive on it, what it's talking about is that we were alive once in the loins of our father, Adam. And when Adam sinned and fell, we fell with him and died 
spiritually. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I believe it's verse 21, says, For as in Adam all die. Praise the Lord, the next part of that says, So also in Christ shall all be made alive. So what we recognize is that in Adam we died. So we were once alive in Adam, we died. You know what God wants to do? He wants to make us alive again. That's what we call the new birth. Or there's another term for the new birth. It's called regeneration. To bring us to life again. To quicken the spirit. And that comes by the word of God and the spirit of God. The testimony of God and the spirit of God bringing it home to our heart. And so... When Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, you must be born of water and of the Spirit. He wasn't talking about baptism. There's no H2O in that. He's talking about what the Bible tells us is the washing of the water of the Word. In John chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, the Word capital W, was made flesh and dwelt among us. Who was that? Jesus. He's the living Word. Go forward three more chapters in that same book, and Jesus declared to the woman at Jacob's well, I am the water of life. He that drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. Look, this is His testimony. It's the water that brings life. The water of the Word. Uh, Look, Titus 3.5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration. How does that happen? The Word of God and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Water and the Spirit. It's me understanding the truth of what God says about how to be saved and the Holy Spirit of God bringing it home to my heart and those things together lead me to the place of the new birth. And apart from the Word of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I will never know that. So when I, when I talk to people and they say, well, I've just always believed. Did you ever have anybody show you from the Bible? No, I just, ever since I was a little kid, I always just loved God. You know, I worry about that. It's not just that when you were a kid, you believed in a God and you loved Him and that that was sufficient for your eternal salvation. We need to know what the Bible declares from the testimony of God. And then as His proxy, the Holy Spirit declares that testimony to our heart and brings it to light to our heart, then we understand how desperately we need Him to be our Savior and we throw ourselves upon the mercies of God because we're woefully undone. And we're not saved because we have a good feeling about God or because since we were a little kid we've always loved Him. We are saved because we recognize that apart from Him we would die and go to a devil's hell without remedy because we were in sin and needing a savior and Jesus loved us so much that he came and took our place. He paid the price for our sin in full and declared us to be the very righteousness of God in the person of Jesus Christ when we claim it for our very own by faith. And the Holy Spirit of God is the only one that can bring that home to our hearts and he does so upon the basis of the word of God. And so the testimony of God brings a about regeneration. That means the new birth. He brings us to light again. I like what the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 119 and verse uh, number 130. The Bible there says that the entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. And outside of Christ, I was in the darkness. But when the Word of God came, the light was shown on my sin-sick condition. And the remedy for my condemnation was Jesus and His shed blood. And I would never know that apart from the book and apart from the Holy Spirit bringing it to light in my heart. The last thing I would tell you, and will not labor this, is that the testimony of God is the believer's resource. This is not just a good book, it's the book. The book of life. And I, I want to just say something to you. The Bible reveals in the final verse, 
For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You know what God did in this book? He said, I'm going to give you this book because I want you to know that I have a good plan for you. And I want you to know what's in my heart towards you. That I'm not the, the angry Jesus. That I'm the Jesus that laid down his life for you. And greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And so, I want to open your eyes to what's in my mind. And as I open the Word of God, I have it. It's revealed by the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that in Isaiah chapter 40, the Bible reveals something interesting. Here, verse 13, it says, Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or who, being His counselor, hath taught Him? Do you know what? Paul here is reiterating what Isaiah wrote. And he's using the mind of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord interchangeably. Because it is the Spirit of God that reveals the mind of God. And do you know what? He wants you to know what He has in mind. He wants you to know what He has in mind for you. It's all wrapped up in the testimony of God. Lord God, how we thank You for this time together. Thank You, Lord, for Your great love for us. Help us to be enthralled with, captivated by, illumined from the truth of Your Word. Lord, I pray that it might not be a prop in the Christian life, but may it be our daily bread that we cannot do without. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment. Perhaps today there's one in the room that would say, Pastor Mark, I've listened to this message and honestly, if I were to die today, I'm not even really sure that I would go to heaven to be with the Lord. I'm concerned about that. I often read the Bible and I have no idea what I'm reading. May as well be the dictionary or the phone book. I just don't get it. And maybe the reason why you're not getting it is because you don't have the Holy Spirit within you. You've never been made alive again by Christ. And if that's you today, I don't want to embarrass you. I will not single you out. But I want to have the privilege of remembering you in a moment of prayer. So today, if you're (coughs) uncertain that if you died today, you'd spend eternity in heaven with God, but you're concerned about it, while no one is looking except me, I wonder if you would say with the uplifted hand, Pastor, don't embarrass me, but please pray for me. Here's my hand. If that's you, would you just slip it up and right back down? Just put it up and down. And I'll see where you are and pray for you. God bless you. Is there someone else? I see that hand. There's someone else. Pastor, remember me in prayer. Just don't know that if I died right now, that I'd go to heaven. I don't have that confidence in my heart. Pray for me. Then perhaps there's one today that would say, I know that I'm saved, but uh, there's no depth because there's little Bible in my life. There's no spiritual depth because there's little Bible. I'm very shallow in the Word. And God's speaking to your heart. You would say, Pastor, pray for me that I would dig, dig a little deeper, spend a little longer, pray a little harder, that I would understand the things that God wants to reveal to my heart. Pray for me, Pastor. That's that's my desire. God bless you. God bless you and you. God bless you and you. Many hands. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. And when we do, whether you've lifted your hand or not, God sees your heart. And if you're not certain that you're on your way to heaven... I want to invite you to step out from where you are and just come straight to me. I'll be standing in the front. 
take my hand and allow me to have someone with an open Bible show you from God's Word how you can be absolutely positive that heaven is your forever home and that every sin is forgiven. Be the greatest decision that you have ever made. If God is dealing with you, we invite you to do as He would direct. Father God, would you bless in this invitation time. Meet the need of every heart, we ask. Give boldness where it is needed. And Lord, have your will now in each of us, we pray.